ING on air. How do you take innovation culture to the next level? Good to have you with me in this episode of ING on air. I'm Liao Wang, here to share with you everything about ING's strategy to create the bank of the future. You think you know about banking? Benoit Legrand, ING's chief innovation officer, is here to tell us what it takes to be a successful banker today. Maybe to start off with Benoit, there's one one point I always keep hearing whenever you're talking or giving interviews, and that's that innovation isn't digitalization, but it's humans and people. Yes, I think it, it is precisely the point. I'm, I'm repeating this over the last four or five years. It works. It's Yeah, it, and it's not about technology. I think sometimes I've I've been wrong in saying this at IT te- of technology conferences, but eventually all decisions are made by people. Uh, products are built by people. Code is being written by people, and for people. And the more we are going into these stages of digitization, what I see is that the more important human beings are. You you might think the contrary, but I think the difference is then being made by the quality of the people you have the incentive they have to move and the willingness they have to be moved to another purpose. Right? And what does it ask from people to make that movement, to make that change? Yeah. I think naturally people do not like change, right? So it, it, it's not embedded. We want safety, we want security, stability. This is what we're looking for as human beings. So the only way we can get people moving is by showing them the value of this of this move are we all very rational so they, they won't behave well you, you can force it by saying if you don't do this then you get a sanction which is probably not the best way but if you want the positive move you need to show them that there is value and, and what is value is depends you know from you to me there are different moves It's right personal. price it is very personal right the one will have recognition the other one will like to challenge the status quo the other one wants to have a promotion so you'll have to very much personalize the uh, the way you, you you're addressing the challenge to people to get them moving and how you do that when you're trying to move such a big organization like ing in such a small time period yeah uh, the two parts of it i think small time period uh, things take a lot of time right so i think we also have to take this for, for granted right technology goes very fast but the change do not i remember what 19 years ago at ing in belgium we had a wallet called upay mm-hmm. which was there prepared to pay on the internet but it didn't work out because nobody was buying on the internet right and now 20 years later we see those wallets coming so technology was there yet it takes time uh, so how do we do this first we acknowledge <laughs> that that things can take time but also um, we very much look at it like Chinese saying whenever you want to move a mountain then you start by removing small stones right and, and a I river th- can move a mountain absolutely right? yes. so I think if you look at the mountain and say well this can never happen right but if, if you take just one piece but I mean a partnership with one fintech showing small results then you get two or three people in the organization working on it now today we have 170 different partnerships right so you have you know four five six and know thousands of people working on it and by doing it they're learning it and they're seeing what is the positive things for them say wow you know i'm learning things you know this is great i like it and this is the positive drive which you get and and everyone is eventually an ambassador of it and he brings it out of the company and and this is the way you get things moving and the thing we keep hearing you know and that's here at ing but also um basically any legacy company is 
it's possible, but it's definitely hard, mm -hmm. right? It's difficult, even though small steps are difficult. Um, to what extent do you think everyone at ING is capable of making this change? Um, I think everyone is capable. The question is whether everyone is willing. Right. So, but I think capable, I think we are all just willing. What is, what's in it for me to move and to get things done? And what I would say, if, if, if you don't feel like you want to do it, I think it's maybe better just to do something else somewhere else because we live in the world in banking where things are changing so much and so far. So you can't take for granted what's going to come in the five or ten coming years. So either you have the ability and the willingness to be agile, to be flexible, to change, or you'd better do something else. You know, when I started uh, four years ago as head of fintech, I, I didn't know what I would do six months later. And, and I'm, I keep telling this to everyone which we recruit today. I don't know, you know, don't ask me for any career plan because we have to be agile and flexible. So this is a mindset which you really need to have. And it's in banking, but I think it's in life in general, right? I think, you know, you, this is the way you are, you are moving. Yeah, and, and like you said, it, it might not be for everyone, and maybe that's okay. It's okay. And to zoom into that, like, how big a part of the company do you feel like, you know, might say, this is not for me? Uh, I, I never measured it, right? But I think uh, what I see is that at the beginning, you certainly have a majority of people being reluctant. And as long as you move, removing those all small stones, then you get more and more people willing to move. You get a different and, and that, critical mass. And then mass. you get a critical mass, right? And then you see the positives are, you know, overwhelming compared to the negatives. But when you start, you know, and again, as any change agent, you need to understand that you know, from the start, there is negative energy. Now, the good thing is that we started about 20 years ago with ING Direct. So I think we have something in our genes there where we say, okay, we have experiences and we have also shown results of it, right? So people can... Can, can look at something which is concrete, which has been delivered, and say, yes, it is possible. Yeah, it it's is not difficult. as scary yeah, if you've absolutely. seen that. Yeah. If you look at it from outside, say, wow, well, we'll never make that, right? It always looks bigger than what it is. But once you say, well, we, are, we did this, right? I did this. So people start believing it more, and then you get the things moving. Yeah. And, and one key aspect of it that you always mention is leadership, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What role do leaders play in, in driving this change? Well, leadership is crucial, is the absolute number one. Why is it so important? Because it's all about people, again, you know, and, and I think it's all about, as we said, moving people and getting people, uh, yes, moving into this direction. And, and, and you do it because you have inspiration from leaders who are saying, well, this is the way we believe in that future. This is bright. You're going to be better. You're going to grow yourself if we go this way. You know, your future is more secure if you move, right? So this leadership is absolutely essential. Uh, 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 in ING, you know, Ralph Hammer started this about five, six years ago, and he's genuinely convinced of what he's saying, right? He's not saying this because, you know, he has to say it, but I think he started one of the first in the banking industry just to, to say it, and he generally believes it. So It's real and authentic. It is authentic, it is real, and he's also putting some facts and, and acts behind those talks, right? So we see it, right? And that's huge, right? To see also to, 
to act, you know, what you to say what you do and do what you say. So that leadership by example, how do you put that into practice, yeah, for instance? It, it's, it's just absolutely essential because nobody believes in PowerPoints or talks or whatever you can have, right? It's just like people believe what they see. And what we're trying to do is now the way we are um, uh, changing uh, innovation is we have our number one target is just to have impact, right? So measuring everything which we are doing, making sure that we're delivering all revenues, all cost reductions, all new customers, whatever, and and forcing the teams not just to be creative for the sake of being creative and say, well, this is cool, well, new tools. No, but just for the sake of delivering value to customers. This is where it, where it has. And, and by showing this consistently, uh, I think those are proof points where people say, oh yeah, I didn't believe in it in three years ago, but I do now. If, if I take the example of Yolt, you know, four years ago when we were asking for some money just to go, th- so people say, yeah, you'll have, you know, have fun, you know, that's going to be cool, but uh, you know, like, that doesn't really move the needle. But now we're getting closer to one million customers, right? So people say, wow. Yeah, that starts to be real. So this is a deliverable which shows impact, which which makes people believe that it is possible and worth doing it. And then the other side of that coin is if you don't have enough impact, if you don't have enough impact soon enough, then you know you have to quit. Yes, I think this is real. And I, and I think if innovation is not delivering impact, then we should certainly stop it. Yeah, so being able to fail and to recognize that maybe you know what you thought out didn't go according to plan that's a big part of it too it is a big part and especially in banking you know i think we're not really used to failures because you know failures tend to cost a lot of money it is so it it's but it's also part of the expertise which we have in banking is risk management right so it's not risk avoidance but management so this is the way we're trying just to do it step by step and taking calculated risks and accepting them and then moving on you know and then how do you, for instance, encourage your team that it's okay to not know something or to have something wrong or to make a mistake? Yeah, I think, it, again, it's by, by doing and, and, and showing that, you know, whenever there's a mistake or we stop, for instance, a project, then we stop the project and, and just because of the project. And sometimes it's because of the team, but it's sometimes also not because of the team. So we say, well, let's jump on another project, right? So this is a concrete element where people will believe that okay the project failed but i get the second chance because yeah there were elements it wasn't you right so we're trying to make a difference between well the content and the person yeah yeah and what are maybe some projects that you had to stop that were really close to your heart you know it was hard but you still you still had to do it yes i think we uh it's always hard (laughs) it's always hard because once you start investing, you know, every time you invest more, the, the harder it is, right? Yeah, so, uh, some cost fallacy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, we recently uh, had to start an, an important one where, where we put in more than one million into it. So it's been a long, you know, a long, a long time in there. Uh, but it just, it just feels right eventually to say it, it would be wrong just to put another you know, 500,000 euro in that project looking at the future. So uh, it, it takes also a lot of time what we're trying to do. I think maybe not always right, but I think we're trying to take some time to explain, to, to explain why we don't think it is good. Uh, take also a path of responsibility you know, when we decide. 
So that, this takes a lot of, of time, energy and interpersonal skills. So can you walk me through how that decision-making process works? Like, does it come from you as sort of the boss? Does it come from the team? Like, how do you make sure everyone listens to each other? Yeah, I think, no, if, if, if innovation was uh, depending on me, I think we, we wouldn't be that far, I think. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we very pragmatic Dutch and trying to find all different means. So we are approached by people outside of ING uh, being attracted by our innovation capabilities. So fintechs coming up to us. We have our internal boot camps where we try to get IDs from, from all employees of ING. But we also have different labs in Singapore, in Amsterdam, in London, where we are structurally uh, managing innovation and, and today we have about 30 initiatives which we are nurturing there. We first look at the topics which we find interesting like beyond banking or platform uh, and then we nurture them there. So we have all different types of, of ways to innovate uh, but very pragmatic. Yeah and, and I'm sure there's a lot of there's so much knowledge in those um, uh, in the organization closer to frontline, right? There's so much experience and probably so many ideas for potential use cases um, where any kind of innovation can play a big yes. role. So how do you make sure you keep hearing all those people? I think you, you're rightly pointing at one of the biggest problems we face is selecting uh, because there's so many things to change and to do. Um, and, and the way we're trying to do is we look at the priorities we've set. We always start from our mission statement, empowering people to stay a step ahead in life and in business, and, and whether the solution which we are effectively proposing is solving a customer pain, right? The impact again. The, the impact to the customer, right? Because if it's not impacting the customer massively, I think there is no chance for this initiative to have an impact in the long term. So we have defined a couple of strategic priorities, and based on those priorities, we're defining also the topics we look at. And, and, and always from this perspective of the customer. And then once you've selected such a, such a topic, walk me through how you actually do your innovation process. Okay. So we have deployed our um, own methodology called PACE, which is combining agile, lean startup uh, uh, methodologies. Uh, and we, we have different stages. And we're trying to spend as little money as we can and be able to stop anytime. So we have what we call stage gates, where a team of eight different uh, senior leaders of ING review the processes. And those initiatives are being uh, supported by a specialized team. So they first come and check whether the problem they have identified is a real problem to customers. So we go and ask customers, is this a problem you have, right? How often do you find that you're actually wrong about the customer? Often. <laughs> Yeah, often, because we, you know, if you've been a product manager for 25 years or five years or seven years, you know, we all come with our own reality and we all think that the world is what we think it is, which is often wrong. So as nobody knows the future, but everybody knows its own past and not even the past, but its own past, right? So it's it, being open to each other, just to anyone who gets an ID. Uh, I think this is one of the key of success, right? But once yeah. we have the problem, the second stage is to see whether the solution we are proposing is effectively tackling the problem. And if, it, if it's the case, then we build a, a solution which we can 
show in a real prototype. life, to a prototype which we can uh, uh, show to customers. And if it's working again, after customers validate it, then we scale it. And in all these stages, you have to listen so carefully to your customer, right? Because oftentimes the, the way we think to solve a customer problem doesn't solve it at yes. all. Yes. So what are some maybe insights that really surprised you? That you really thought we know how to do this and you turned out to be completely wrong? Um, I think, well, I'm just like give you one example in the, uh, in, in the mortgage world uh, where uh, our management team was, had to find the different priorities which we thought we should do, like the 10 first pain points which we need to solve. And we said, yeah, before we do this, let's maybe ask customers. And eventually, well, the first three points were totally not relevant to customers, but they preferred point eight and five and whatever. So we, we just reshuffled it. Though you had you know, very senior, experienced people around the table who had made those uh, choices, eventually it appears not to be the priority of customers. And how did they react to the results that you brought in from the customer? I think very positively, very positively. And it was like an eye-opener, right? Because yeah. this is not the natural way you do things, right? You think you're in charge, you're, you're managing it, so it's your responsibility to it, you should know. Yeah. But here by opening up, being humble, to say, okay, let's ask customers. If customers say it, right, you know, at one point of time, this makes sense, right, if, if we all do this for the customers. Yeah, and you have to learn what you don't know also, right? Absolutely. To, yeah. and, the, and this is where the realm of uh, innovation, we just, we're there just to go into the unknown. And the majority of the time, we like to walk into the known world, and this is what naturally the organization is doing, and I think we may be spending 5 10% of the time of the organization walking through the unknown, you know, and blockchain in, in, into those quantum computing things. Uh, but I remember five years ago when we were asking somebody just to investigate blockchain. At the time, the word was not even known, right? I think now we use it, but I think we didn't know. People say, ah, oh, well, why are we doing this now? And today, you know, Forbes is, is mentioning us as one, one of the five best teams in the world, you know, next to Amazon and IBM. So, yeah, the only bank. Yeah, absolutely. But it was totally the unknown world at that time, right? Yeah. So you need to take those bold, courageous steps. And I, and I get back to the leadership part because, you know, it takes courage to go, to go uh, against the, the, uh, the tide. And say you get to a successful prototype stage. At some point, you have to bring this back into the organization and scale it up into a, yep. a real yeah. product. Absolutely. How do you then um, embed this innovation mm -hmm. sort of in, in, in the running the business? We, we have two paths, right? Sometimes we do not embed it in the organization. Like Yolt, we just like keep it apart. So this is one way of working. The other one, when we embed it, we, we, st we, we try to ensure that from the start there is a business sponsor behind it who really believes that this is you know, helping him changing uh, his, his product or his uh, services, right? So from the start we get the uh, buy-in from the business who is supporting, who is helping, researching, giving resources. And, and so we come to a point where naturally when we have all those proofs from customers that it's effectively working, we have a business sponsor who wants it. So it, it happens quite naturally that whenever we scale, there is a high demand, even higher from the business than from the innovation team, to say, okay, let's please, you know, let's go on funding it. Yeah, especially once you've proven that, that it works. Absolutely. Yeah. So looking back on all the work you've done and looking forward on what's necessary for ING to realize this strategy, what do you feel like the ideal ING person 
looks like? Mm-hmm. Like, what skills does she have? Like, what ideals does she have? What yeah. philosophy does she embody? I think it will certainly depend on where, what kind of responsibility he has, right? But in general, the ability to be agile, to be humble, of saying, well, I don't know, I'm open to others. Uh, someone who's not fighting for power, but fighting for customers and make up the difference. And someone who is able to, uh, well, high, high quality on interpersonal skills, right? Because eventually, it's again about people. So you, you need to be able to, to talk to each other, to, to listen to each other, and to make things together, right? So it's certainly a team player. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Check out all the episodes in the series via ing.com or bnr.nl slash money2020.